0: and welcome to The Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 68 of The Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about an opening day attraction over at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World, which is none other than the Hall of Presidents. Located in Liberty Square, we're going to be discussing how the Hall of Presidents came to be, including a really deep connection to Walt Disney himself. We'll talk a bit about the authenticity of the show, because it's incredible the lengths that Disney went to make sure that they were accurately representing each one of the presidents and the presidency in the best way they possibly could. We'll talk about the tone of the Hall of Presidents, which I think is something that people often don't quite understand until they experience this show for themselves. And of course, I'll include a binaural audio recording so that you can journey with me to enjoy the Hall of Presidents. At the end of the show, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. When Walt Disney was a small boy growing up in Missouri, he became fascinated with Abraham Lincoln. So much so that when it came time for a relevant school project, Walt memorized Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, dressed in a homemade stovepipe hat, and recited the entire speech in front of his classmates. We all know Walt was a phenomenal storyteller as an adult, and his skill for storytelling showed even when he was a kid. His performance for this project was so well received that his teachers encouraged him to give encore performances for other classes in the school. Not surprisingly, Walt remembered this achievement well, and I believe it helped him grow an even deeper fondness for American history, leading to great moments with Mr. Lincoln at the 1964 World's Fair and then at Disneyland. Now, While Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln is certainly a topic we will discuss in the future, this podcast episode is devoted to another attraction for which Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln turned out to be a proof of concept, the Hall of Presidents. In many ways, the Hall of Presidents is the heart of Liberty Square, even though a more popular attraction, the Haunted Mansion, is also located in this part of the Magic Kingdom. Part of the reason that Liberty Square is unique to Walt Disney World is because of the time that it opened to the public. Originally, the Imagineers thought that perhaps the Magic Kingdom might follow in Disneyland's footprints and include New Orleans Square. But because Florida has a similar climate and ecosystem to that of Louisiana, they felt that New Orleans Square would not be a popular part of the park and began brainstorming other ideas. With America's bicentennial celebrations scheduled for 1976, the Imagineers instead decided to create a land dedicated to the formation of the United States. It's for this reason that Liberty Square represents colonial America in the late 18th century, giving guests a glimpse of what life was like when America's leaders signed the Declaration of Independence and ratified the United States Constitution. It's also why you won't find a bathroom in Liberty Square, since indoor plumbing wasn't a part of the country's colonial history. Even the bathrooms in Columbia Harbor House are technically on the border of Fantasyland. Now, Of course, Liberty Square is full of so much history that I'll save the bulk of facts and details for an episode devoted to this part of the Magic Kingdom, but I thought it appropriate to at least give you a glimpse of what the land is like. Turning our attention now to the subject of this episode, the Hall of Presidents was an opening day attraction at Walt Disney World that featured realistic animatronic figures of the then 35 presidents of the United States. As just a small point of clarification though, the US president in 1971, Richard Nixon, was technically the 36th president of the United States, but that's because one of the country's former presidents, Grover Cleveland, Grover Cleveland, rather, was both the 22nd and the 24th president of the country. He lost the 1888 presidential election to Benjamin Harrison, then ran again and was elected again in 1892 to serve his final term. As a result, while the United States was on its 36th president in 1971, only 35 individuals had served in office. Although the attraction opened in 1971, believe it or not, its history goes all the way back to 1957 and just one that is closely tied to Walt himself. In 1957, Walt tasked one of his film directors, James Alger, to conduct extensive research on the history of the US Presidency in preparation for a historical attraction on this subject. While Walt had at the time thought this attraction might be placed on an extended part of Main Street USA at Disneyland, which would have been called Liberty Street, the idea was ultimately moved to the Disney World project. In addition, Walt and his team of Imagineers decided that the theme of this attraction would revolve around the US Constitution and, quote, depict growth and progress, the present and the future, end quote. In addition, the original idea for the attraction would include a 180 degree film that would depict significant moments in American history, with a notable sequence that would put guests in the middle of the Civil War. Amazingly, Walt even wanted smells to be included in this presentation. While Walt had originally thought that he might include wax figures of the US presidents as well, he later began work on the 1964 World's Fair and was able to orchestrate the creation of the first human-like animatronic. When it came time to create the Hall of Presidents, Disney of course employed the same technology used in Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln to personify the 35 presidents of the United States. Since 1971, each newly elected president has been added to the Hall of Presidents, which means the attraction has been updated a total of 9 times over its 50 year history. Each animatronic not only replicates the president's facial features, but also the individual's height, body type, attire, noteworthy traits, and even mannerisms. In addition, Presidents Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump, who are the most recent presidents of the United States as of the recording of this episode, have each lent their voices to their animatronic figures, a tradition I can only hope will continue as we move ahead. Speaking of animatronics, we should certainly discuss the all-star team that developed the Hall of Presidents, and perhaps the most important contribution came from Blaine Gibson. Blaine was a Disney legend who was best known for his prominent sculptures for Walt Disney Imagineering, including Abraham Lincoln as featured in Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, the Pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean, the Ghosts in the Haunted Mansion, the Tiki Birds in the Enchanted Tiki Room, and the Partner Statue, seen at various Disneyland's and Magic Kingdoms around the world. Not surprisingly, Blaine was also tasked with sculpting all of the animatronic figures for the Hall of Presidents. After sculpting the first 35 presidents for this attraction in 1971, Blaine continued to sculpt each new US president all the way through George W. Bush. When Barack Obama was elected president in 2008, Blaine was long into retirement and no longer up to the work at hand, and so his apprentice, Valerie Edwards, took command of that responsibility. Blaine has unfortunately since passed and will certainly be a legend we discuss in detail in a future podcast episode. In addition to Blaine Gibson, there are a few additional Imagineers worth mentioning, starting with Bob Gurr. As we discussed in our episode with this Disney legend, Walt Disney had asked Bob to create the mechanisms that would make Abraham Lincoln move like a real person. Of course, the technology used for this figure was replicated in the other animatronics for the Hall of Presidents. Finally, two other Disney legends, Harriet Burns and Alice Davis, adorned the animatronic figures with the appropriate wigs and costumes to make them appear like the real US presidents. Disney went so far as to use the same techniques to design the suits that were used when the president was in office. As a result, animatronics like George Washington were given hand-stitched clothing, while more recent presidential suits were stitched with sewing machines. While most of the animatronics have remained the same as they were opening day, A few of them have been updated since the most recent attraction renovation. In particular, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington were updated to A100 animatronics in addition to Donald Trump since the Imagineers were designing his animatronic figure at the same time. Next, I'd love to discuss the building that houses this attraction. In order to make guests feel like they've stepped into colonial America, The Imagineers turned to the House of Burgesses, which became the House of Delegates in the Commonwealth of Virginia after the United States declared its independence in 1776. The building's significance to the country, and thus to the Hall of Presidents, is that it housed the first democratically elected legislative body in British North America, and thus can be considered the birthplace of American democracy. As another tribute to American history, the Imagineers placed two lanterns in the upstairs window. For those who know the history of the American Revolutionary War, these lights represent Paul Revere's one-if-by-land, two-if-by-sea lanterns in Charlestown, Massachusetts. For those who don't know the story, I'll just retell it quickly. Paul Revere was a leader in the colonial militia who was tasked with spying on British troops to determine how they would be proceeding towards Concord, which housed many military supplies for the American colonies. The colonies weren't sure if the British troops would choose to move toward Concord by land or by sea. To prepare the militia, Paul worked with Charlestown's north church to create a signal for the militia. Two lanterns were placed in the church steeple, and Paul informed leaders that he would light one lantern if the British were proceeding by land and two lanterns if proceeding over the water. On the evening of the battle, Paul rode from his lookout point back to the church and lit two lanterns indicating that the British were traveling by sea. His actions gave the colonies a tremendous advantage in the war. Meanwhile, the inside of the Hall of Presidents was designed to replicate Independence Hall in Philadelphia, another piece of colonial history. This building's significance cannot be understated since it's where the Declaration of Independence was signed and the United States Constitution was adopted. Now while many guests try to arrive at this attraction just in time for the movie to begin, there's another part of this experience that many might miss, which is the lobby. In addition to being a great place to uh, beat the heat on a hot Orlando day, the lobby is full of some incredible United States history. Most Most impressive perhaps is what you'll find when you enter the building. At the entrance of the lobby you'll find a carpeted seal surrounded by a gate, and it's gated for a good reason. The seal you see, not to be confused with the Presidential seal, is the Great Seal of the United States. Amazingly, it's the only place outside of the White House and the Liberty Bell that features this display, and it literally took an act of Congress to make it happen for Disney. In fact, if you visit the US Congressional Record, you'll find code 18-USC-713. Under that code, you'll see an amendment created in 1971, the year that Walt Disney World opened. The amendment replaces the phrasing of the law, so that instead of prohibiting citizens from using the, quote, likeness of the Great Seal of the United States, end quote, it instead prohibits using, quote, the Great Seal of the United States, end quote. In other words, the amendment allowed Disney to create a likeness to this display. It just goes to show how far Disney will go to create an authentic experience for guests. Moving beyond the entrance to the building, the lobby includes even more incredible history. If you browse the walls of the rotunda, you'll find replicas of the presidential portraits found in the White House, including portraits of Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Ronald Reagan, and Abraham Lincoln. In addition, you'll find several glass cases displayed throughout the lobby, which are used to pay tribute to the US presidents and the process used to authentically represent them in this attraction. For example, you'll find several busts of the presidents, which Blaine Gibson used to accurately sculpt their likeness. In addition, you'll find various accessories, jewelry, and even shoes that help create a heightened sense of believability and authenticity for the animatronic figures. After all, it's the details that count. Some of the glass cases also include tributes to the First Ladies of the United States, including real clothing worn by Betty Ford and a suitcase embroidered by Grace Coolidge. Finally, you'll find a few personal belongings, real personal belongings, of some of the presidents, including Gerald Ford's ski boots and George W. Bush's collection of signed baseball cards. Just before you enter the theater, you'll find two final tributes that any Disney fan will appreciate, a bust of Abraham Lincoln in front of a portrait of Walt Disney, and three photos of Walt that depict his connection to the presidency, including a photo of Walt as a kid in his handmade Abraham Lincoln costume. A photo of Walt with Richard Nixon dedicating the grand opening of the Disneyland monorail, and a photo of Walt receiving the Freedom Foundation award from Dwight D. Eisenhower. Under these photos is a quote from Walt that reads, quote, I've always been a kind of billboard American. I think I get that red, white, and blue streak up and down my back every once in a while, end quote. Of course, I believe it's very fitting that the last thing you see before you enter the theater is a portrait of Walt in front of a bust of Abraham Lincoln. After all, it all began with Walt's fondness for the 16th US President. Once you enter the theater, which can seat 700 guests, you'll experience a 20 minute presentation of the Hall of Presidents. While many might think the show carries a political agenda, it's completely nonpartisan and wholeheartedly patriotic. The majority of the show is a film presentation that poetically captures the spirit of the American presidency and the contributions of some of America's most famous leaders, including George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, and Franklin D. Roosevelt. The film is accompanied by a score written by Emmy Award winner Joel McNeely, who wrote the music for a long list of movies that includes several Disney films. Originally, the technology used for this five-screen film was developed by Ub Iwerks, a Disney legend and the original animator of Mickey Mouse. Ub created a special process to shoot the 70mm film which has since been digitized. Throughout its history, the film has gone through several changes and updates, although the heart of the attraction and the subject matter have remained fairly consistent. Likewise, the film has gone through several narrators and voice actors, many of whom I'm sure you'll recognize. From 1971 to 1993, Lawrence Dobkin narrated the production, with Paul Frees lending his voice to George Washington and a few additional historical figures. Meanwhile, Dallas McKinnon voiced Andrew Jackson, and Royal Dano played the role of Abraham Lincoln as he did for Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. In 1993, the film was updated and the narrator was changed to Maya Angelou. In addition, Peter Renaday, who voiced an incredible number of characters throughout Disney history, took over as the voice of Abraham Lincoln for the updates. In 2001, when George W. Bush was sworn into office, the narrator was updated to J.D. Hall. When Barack Obama was sworn into office in 2009, Morgan Freeman took over as the narrator, David Morse voiced an updated speech for George Washington, and Royal Dano's archived recording for Abraham Lincoln was brought back. In the most recent version of the film, which was updated in 2017 when Donald Trump became president, Joy Vandervoort Cobb took over as narrator for another overhauled film sequence. Of course, the last few minutes of the show are what many recall and think of when they think about this attraction, even though it makes up only a quarter of the presentation. In this final sequence, the show's narrator introduces the presidents of the United States in the order in which they served in office, beginning with George Washington and including or concluding with the most recent president, and as the narrator announces these presidents, they all either give a stand or a wave or some sort of indication of who they are. While the presidents have typically been silent or played by the role of a voice actor, Bill Clinton's presidency brought the attraction to a new level of authenticity. In September of 1993, five Imagineers visited the White House to capture a real speech from the president specifically for this attraction. They even filmed the president delivering the speech so that the Imagineers could recreate his mannerisms and gestures as accurately as possible for his animatronic figure. Since Bill Clinton, this tradition has continued with each U.S. president, including George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump, each of whom lent their voices and mannerisms to the Hall of Presidents. For those who might be worried about lengthy speeches though, don't worry. With each new president, the former speeches are removed, and each new speech only lasts about 30 seconds, it's very quick. And there's one more speech that's worth noting in this attraction, one that has remained since the beginning. President Lincoln delivering the Gettysburg Address. This part of the show serves as the deepest connection to Walt, and it's a tribute that gives me chills. Reciting the Address calls back to Walt's lifelong fondness of Abraham Lincoln and to his presentation in front of the school when he was just a kid. And just like great moments with Mr. Lincoln, the President stands up from his seat to deliver the Address to the crowd exactly as he did in the 1964 World's Fair and still does at Disneyland. I like to believe Walt is with us every time we watch the Hall of Presidents. It's perhaps one of the greatest tributes to the man who started it all. Now I know that the Hall of Presidents is often met with some controversy, but for those of you who might be skeptical, I truly hope you'll take this message to heart. The Hall of Presidents is not about the president, it is about the presidency. The show serves as a historical tribute to American democracy and to the presidents in U.S. history who, going back to the original vision for the attraction, depict growth and progress, the present and the future. The attraction serves no political agendas or partisan motives. It does not promote particular parties, nor does it seek to influence political outcomes or opinions. It simply aims to honor the presidency, inspire great leadership, and preserve the memory of America's leaders. Even if you're not American, I believe the show is worth a visit. While the subject matter of the attraction is specifically focused on the U.S. Presidency, I believe it taps into some much deeper themes—optimism, humility, compassion, and progress. Now that we've discussed this attraction in detail, I'd love to take you with me for a journey through this historic show. Like most binaural recordings, I encourage you to enjoy this audio with headphones or earbuds, which will provide you with the most realistic 360 degree experience. Either way, no matter which device you choose, I encourage you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the Hall of Presidents. reverent celebration of America's leaders past and present
1: and now ladies and gentlemen the Walt Disney World Resort would like to proudly present the Hall of Presidents
2: is dedicated to the memory of Walt Disney in 1971 his love for America inspired the creation of the Hall
3: of Presidents a place to celebrate the optimism and goodwill he saw at the heart of the American story Walt's vision was to honor the nation by honoring the American presidency
1: knows that many generals who have led successful revolutions make themselves dictators or kings. Instead, he steps down from power and retires to his home, Mount Vernon. The world takes note, and George Washington becomes the symbol of American ideals. In the first presidential election, it's Washington by a landslide. The only doubt seems to be his own. He writes, integrity and firmness is all I can promise. Integrity and firmness is exactly what we need. Everything he does as president will set a model for his successors. His final act may be the most important of all. as different as Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and Andrew Jackson. Elections are often bitter. Each president stands at that fiery intersection where personal character meets the challenges of the times. Some call the presidency a glorious burden. Jefferson calls it a splendid misery. We the people must choose well. We elect 15 presidents before the course of history brings us to the edge of a crisis like no other. A nation born of freedom still permits slavery. As the country pushes west, will new states be slave or free? The question produces bitter conflict. The issue rocks the election of 1860 and brings Abraham Lincoln onto the national stage. The tall, lanky, some say uncouth candidate from Illinois is a master of words at a time when speeches are printed in full for people to read. A house divided against itself cannot stand, he has said. With Lincoln's election, the house does indeed divide. love he struggles with depression but never loses his determination to rise above it he once said he's driven by a desire to leave the world a little better place for having lived it the war rages Lincoln fights to preserve the union and end slavery neither is a sure thing Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, six months after one of the bloodiest battles of the war. The president dedicates a cemetery to the thousands of soldiers who died there in words we can never forget.
3: Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. Conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war. Testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives, that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note, nor long remember what we say here. But it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the
1: earth. The blood of over half a million Americans is spilled to the Civil War. President Lincoln's enduring hope is to give true meaning to the sacrifices of so many, to lead us to that new birth of freedom. With the end of the war and the end of slavery, a new birth truly begins. As we roll toward the 20th century, settlers roll west on wagon wheels, and railroads connect the nation coast to coast. Millions of immigrants pour in from Europe and Asia. Population doubles. Our economy triples. Our standing among nations rises. We need presidents who can lead both at home and abroad. At the same time, a young Theodore Roosevelt politics and personal tragedy. The death of his wife and his mother on the same day in the same house. In the badlands of North Dakota, he rethinks his life and the life of his country. He returns stronger in body and spirit. His renewed energy is just what his country needs. of giant monopolies, protects workers' rights, and calls for a square deal for all Americans. Rich and poor, capitalist, and your feet on the ground, he tells us. to believe we have nothing to fear but fear itself and we do believe tonight's attacks on england are perhaps the most widespread of the war in the course of the day but an even greater challenge dominates his final years in office the second world war He calls us to fight on the war front. The country changes. And yet, in one sense, what we need most from our presidents has never changed. A guiding vision that calls forth the best that America can be. Will outer space be developed for the benefit of all mankind?
2: Or will it become another focus for the arms race? The choice is urgent, and it is ours to make It's all of us who must overcome the crippling legacy
1: of bigotry and injustice.
2: And we shall overcome. One of the agreements that President Sadat and Prime Minister Begin are signing tonight is entitled, A Framework for Peace in the Middle East. Mr. Gorbachev...
1: Herbert Hoover
2: of my fellow citizens that I took an oath, 35 simple words that have been repeated by every American president throughout history. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States, and will, to the best of my ability, Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. From the beginning, America has been a nation defined by its people. At our founding, it was the American people who rose up to defend our freedoms and win our independence. It is why our founders began our great Constitution with three very simple words. We, the people. Since that moment, each generation of Americans has taken its place in the defense of our freedom, our flag, and our nation under God. These are the achievements of the American spirit. The spirit of a people who fought and died to bring the blessings of liberty to all our people. Above all to be american is to be an optimist to believe that we can always do better and that the best days of our great nation are still ahead of us it's a privilege to serve as the president of the united states to stand here among so many great leaders of our past and to
1: work on behalf of the american people the presidency of the united states is a role you
0: And with that, we close out episode 68 of the Imagineer podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed listening back to this attraction's history and details and facts. Like I said, there's so much authenticity that went into the creation of the Hall of Presidents. It's so closely tied to Walt Disney himself and is a show that I try to make sure to enjoy at least once every couple of trips when I visit Walt Disney World. Of course, I want to hear your thoughts and opinions about the Hall of Presidents, especially as it pertains to the history, tying back to Walt Disney himself, and perhaps the history of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. You can send me your feedback and answers in so many different ways. You can either reach out to me on social media by sending me a direct message or posting about it and tagging me on Facebook or Instagram at Podcast on Twitter, at Imagineer News, on TikTok or LinkedIn, at Imagineer Podcast. You can also converse about this subject and other Disney topics with other Disney fans by joining our Facebook group, which is the Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community. If you type that into your Facebook search browser, it'll populate that result for you. And If you click join, I will accept that request as soon as I see it come through on my end. You can also send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com or call our voicemail, which is 516-406-8376 in case you would like to leave me a voice message on this subject or any other topic of the show. And speaking of the podcast, if you don't already subscribe to the show, I certainly hope you'll hit that subscribe button. Whether you're listening in the Apple Podcast Store, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, or any other podcast app out there. Of course, hitting subscribe, makes sure that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available, including potential bonus episodes I might throw in there every once in a while. And, of course, if you haven't yet rated and reviewed the show in the Apple Store, also formerly called the iTunes Store, I know they've changed names, it does so much to help our podcast continue to grow and lets others know that this is a reputable and fun source of Disney information and some cool topics that we discuss about all things Disney. Thanks to the 250-plus of you who have given us a five-star rating in the Apple Store, it does help us out so much very much. But the one thing that does even more to help this show is a very simple thing, just to share it. It takes a second to do that. Whether you share out your favorite episode or the podcast as a whole, or perhaps even hit share on one of our social media posts, or leave your thoughts on any social media account and just tag us in there. Again, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, or any other podcast app, or if you just tell your friends about Imagine Your Podcast, it does so very much to help this show out. If you would like to take your love of Imagineer Podcast to the next level, check out the Imagineer Society by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. The Imagineer Society is a place where you can help to contribute to the show financially and get some extra special perks and benefits and rewards in return, including things like early access to every podcast episode, monthly video calls where we have a small group of us get together and just chat about all things Disney, bonus podcast episodes just for Imagineer Society members, and more. You can learn about that again by going to patreon.com slash podcast I also want to give a special thank you and shout out to our partners, First The Kingdom Insider. I would encourage you of course to visit thekingdominsider.com or follow The Kingdom Insider on any social media platform. Christy provides a lot of really incredible information. She's been attending so many different media events and visiting Walt Disney World, Disney Cruise Line, and even Disneyland very frequently and giving a lot of updates about what's going on in the parks and has a lot of great information to share. So again, be sure to check out The Kingdom Insider at thekingdominsider.com or any social media platform and also take a look at Academy Travel. I've of course talked about Academy Travel before. They are diamond earmarked, one of only three, and the top one in fact, uh, which means that they are recognized by Disney for their level of service and they've been doing this for 25 years. So they are certainly a place I recommend going if you are looking to plan a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Alwani, Adventures by Disney, or any other destination around the world. They do it all free to you and can help to even save you money. And the easiest way to request a free quote, no obligation, is to click on any of the links in the show notes below to let them know that Imaginary Podcast sent you. And that will give you an opportunity to get a free quote from academy travel and learn how you can save money on your next trip to the most magical place on earth last but not least i want to encourage you as always to go after your dreams whatever they might be work hard put in the effort and take steps today to make that dream a reality remember is always that quote from horizons if you can dream it you can do it thanks so much for listening to the show and we'll see you again in a future episode of the imagineer podcast
2: Ladies
3: and gentlemen, boys and girls, join us down at the Riverside. It's time for Tiana's Showboat Jubilee!